0: Hello and welcome into another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. We're connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world at the midpoint of the Serie A season, reviewing match day 19. At least it was match day 19 for most teams. I know Juventus and Napoli still need to make up that fixture uh, from you know earlier in the season that led to all the appeals and all the drama, but most teams have completed the midway park of the midway point of the season. I'm Alex Dono alongside Jerry Mancini. You know, not not exactly uh, the results I was hoping for from Inter. I know Jerry is a very happy uh, man about Lazio. They've now won four games in a row in the Serie A. So before we get into everything, Jerry, let's go over the table. Uh, for everyone watching and listening. Uh, even though Milan fell to Atalanta, they still do hold on to the top spot, even though they didn't pick up any points in match day 19. Uh, so they are the, uh, the winter Scudetto winners. And there's not actually a trophy for that, but the Italian press makes a big deal about it. Milan atop the table with 43 points. Uh, Inter pick up one point over the weekend, a scoreless draw with Udinese. So they're within two of Milan at 41 uh, Roma, uh, they got a, a pretty uh, exciting uh, victory, kind of a pazza Roma victory against Spezia. They're on 37 points. Juventus bounced back. Uh, they're fourth place with 36 points. They also have a game in hand. Uh, Atalanta, impressive against Milan. They're up to 36 points. Napoli uh, laid an egg against Elas Verona. They're at 34 points in sixth place. Jerry's Lazio ascending at 34 points as well. Verona, who got that impressive victory over Napoli, are on 30 points. So, you know, Jerry, before we get into uh, several of the games that happened over the weekend, I want to start with Lazio. I did watch uh, Lazio's matchup, you know, from start to finish today. You know, pretty impressive the way that they bounced back. From an early Sassuolo goal, Sergei Malinkovic-Savic with a bullet header, Chido Immobile with a perfect finish in the second half to get the 2-1. The only thing, Jerry, that frustrated me a little bit, I I had a little money on your side, and Lazio were favored by a goal. I ended up getting the push but is your guy Escalante point shaving because he he had a, a Galliardini type of attempt where it see you know it was on a a, a a rebound from a Moriki shot he had nothing but wide open netting in front of him and somehow put it soft right on the keeper I'm like oh it would have been harder to not to score that man so a 2-1 victory nonetheless for Lazio and a huge win how you doing Jerry
1: I'm um, fantastic can't complain Ciro Mobley continues to score goals I, uh, said, I think I said on the show at the beginning before the season started that he was going to be Capo Caragnare, and I'm standing by that. Um, I didn't think he was going to score 36 goals this year, and a good friend of ours, Rob Pozzola, he had asked me at our draft, do you think he, he'll produce the same total? And I said he would score around 24 goals. And I said that because I didn't want to jinx him, firstly. But second, right. I just I just didn't know in the the way the schedule is done this year and how condensed it is that they were going to be able to, or he was going to be able to produce at such a, an elite level that he's doing this year. And he's just been impressive. Unbelievable by Immobile. Just, I think he's got six or seven game winners this year. I'm going to go on on the record, probably say six. Cause I know I, I was writing about it just recently and he had, had five game winners, but I know for sure he has six and that's impressive. Six game winners for lots, for lots of like, that just shows how valuable and how impressive he's been this year, and how he continues to step up. They say that strikers age, and at the age of thirty right now that he's at, he's gonna. There should be a a decline in his performance. I don't see that at the moment. There, his, his, the way he takes care of himself is really impressive, and I think that really helps him in how he's so effective and he can play at such a high level on a consistent basis. Now to go back to what you're saying about Escalante. I don't know what he was thinking there. He had a lot of time. <laughs> to Point make shaving. It I, I, I agree. I <laughs> I was I was very shocked to see him not bury that opportunity. And and luckily that Sasuolo didn't score afterwards after that opportunity because Nzagi would have freaking lost his mind probably. But I wanna give a shout out to a a player who, who played just roughly eight minutes today. And that's Vedat Mariki. And Yeah, a I lot liked of, what I saw. I, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he's supposed to score, right? And I agree. His, his job is is meant to score goals. But you also have to look that you need to play at both ends of the field. And you need to be productive offensively and defensively. And what what Vidak was was doing today was what many people have been waiting for, his holdup, his ability to show a good touch, not just lose control of the ball, win possession, hold possession, advance upfield. I, I I could recall two fouls he won. He had an us opportunity to score, which set up Escalante's chance. Um, he he won possession. He looked more comfortable in the field. He looked more determined, was his positioning on players was much more impressive. He and I and I think we're starting to see that he's starting to get a better idea of how the league operates, how they play. He's growing confidence and that performance he had against Parma midweek against in the Copa Italia. I thought he was the player of the game. And his game all around was just so impressive. And he hit the post twice and he did set up the the, the winning goal. Mm-hmm. But um, just maybe the fact that he had COVID, he was hurt twice, he did arrive late from the transfer market, and we didn't give this guy a proper chance maybe where he hasn't had enough playing time, he hasn't been able to be more familiarized with Nzagi's tactics, and we're starting to see the the, the good part of what Vedat Mariki can can bring to Lazio, his aerial height, his presence. And maybe it's early days, but for a $20 million signing, these are encouraging things to see. Now, like I said earlier, yes, you want him to score goals, but if he's offering in other areas, and in a situation like that when you're up to one, you don't necessarily need that. You, you do want that third goal. But what he's coming on is not to score a goal in, the, in that situation. He's coming on t- to basically win possession, hold possession, not give it back, and, and just limit Sassuolo's ability to score goals. And that's exactly what he did. He's coming in there to play a more of defensive role as opposed to an offensive role. And and that's encouraging to see what Vidak was doing compared to Polly, I would say, three matches prior to that, prior to the last two matches where he couldn't do the holdup. He couldn't do the passes, the simple stuff. And this is really encouraging to see for, for our, all the Laziale
0: fans. So these are early days, but encouraging signs. And I am a strong believer that you need more than half a season to evaluate a player when they're coming over from a different league. I mean, this is a guy who didn't have Serie A experience and this league is so different. It requires an adjustment, um, it, it, a completely different style of play. The intensity is different. It's so much more tactic focused than any of the other other major European leagues that I, I strongly believe you need more than. I mean, now he just, you know, uh, he, 17, 18 match days in and in Coppa Italia, you're starting to see something from him. And so I, I think, Jerry, pe- people really um, were, were judging this guy 13, 14 match days in. You just need to give him more time.
1: No, absolutely. And you know what? Like you said, he's starting to get that experience. He's gaining that knowledge of how the City L works and Inzaghi's showing confidence in him too. So that's really encouraging to see. Now another player who I've been really impressed with well not impressed with but the fact that he's uh he he stepped up today was At Baak Pro. And yeah. I, I saw a lot of people calling him out saying he's not good, he shit, shouldn't be in the midfield, should be Andres Pereira. And and I do agree, Andres Pereira is the player to come in and replace Luis Alberto. That's why he was brought. He was brought basically to provide that offensive, like that that more trick kind of role where he's creative, he can set plays up, he can advance the, the, the ball upfield, um, creative passes, all that stuff that, that Luis Alberto does. But the problem with Andres Pereira, which Inzaghi had referenced, was that he doesn't play defense, and Akpa Apro plays defense. He tracks back, he can win challenges. I know his passing is not as accurate as Pereira, and he doesn't do that creativity stuff, but what, what we're seeing from Akba Akba is he's winning challenges in, in the midfield. He set up the second goal, which led to Chiro uh scoring. He, he won the midfield battle, and I think that what Wenzagi likes is that he wants players who are willing to track back and, and help defensively. And that's been an issue, a concern for the this year where they, I believe they have only earned four clean sheets in all competition. And that's a very concerning sign. You saw in the first six minutes they conceded a goal, which could have been avoided had they not just cheaply sent the ball upfield to absolutely nobody. I think it's Patrick who just goes with a long pass and it's in the middle of the in the field and it's given to nobody and it just comes the other way and Patrick's out of position. I know that he 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 struggled today, but that's just one instance. Now with Apa Apro, yes, you you want somebody to replace Luis Alberto who's who's more offensive minded. But again, this is where Sergei milinkovic savage has the ability to play that role which he did today. And I thought he did a Damn good job. Absolutely. I agree. He was the key to the midfield. And the problem when he plays with Luis Alberto is that you can't play the same role uh, as Alberto. And he's more of a box-to-box, more not defensively. He he is defensive-minded, Savage, but he's more of a Mazzala. He's more, more stationary behind him. Now, what we saw with Savage is he does have the ability to to be more of an offensive-minded player, and and the difference between him and Alberto is that Savage can win challenges; he doesn't get fouled as often as often as Luis Alberto. He's not as a liability, and I think that's the one downfall in Alberto's game is that he, he doesn't always win challenges, and sometimes when he does, when he when he doesn't win them, he. They're very dangerous challenges where they result in cards or numerous fouls. So I just think that with Savage, he has a better read for the game. He is more f- physical, more demanding, more composed in the midfield. He has the ability to do long passes accurately. He he can hold possession. He doesn't overreact when he has it. These are things that we saw today. And, and this is encouraging because it was a concern of... What can the midfield look like without Alberto? And maybe it's not as scary as we thought. Savage is the key to replacing Alberto. Not Andres Pereira, maybe. And obviously not at April. But I'm still curious to see how Pereira would play with Al- without Al- milinkovic with savage in the midfield. Because... Would it been easier today? Have Pereira played? I don't know, cause again, he doesn't have that defensive mind in him, and that kind of is concerning. So, I will. I personally would like to see what Pereira can do with Savage. It, it could be better. I could be wrong, but I guess only time will tell. And I hope that he does start in the Copa Italia versus Atalanta on Wednesday. It would make no sense not to start him on Wednesday. I would not. I would advise that we don't play all our best players and and i heard today that a lot like uh, immobile is on painkillers right now cuz he's dealing with an ankle injury or a knee injury and and caicedo is on painkillers as well wow. so yeah so there's a lot of uh injured players for lazio but they're battling through it showing some good heart to uh, character
0: you know you you brought something up that i think is worth a debate as to How you think teams could or should handle their squad rotations in Coppa Italia? Because I know that, you know, for example, another matchup we have coming up midweek is we have a Milan derby in Coppa Italia. And um, I would say the vast majority uh, of Inter supporters, myself included, are, and I know it's Milan, and I know you always want to beat Milan. It's a statement game. And if you do win that game, that can be a nice you know, momentum booster you know, coming out of it. But at the same time, um, when I've got guys like Lukaku and like Barella and Brozovic who often get run into the ground, okay? And I know how important it is for Inter to make a push for a Scudetto because they have all their eggs in that basket, right? Mm-hmm. Out of Champions League. No Europa League, you've got a manager on milioni net per season, the 12 million dollar man, uh, 12 million euro man, Antonio Conte. And uh, really, I mean, if 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 Inter win is gonna be it's gonna be looked at like a failed season. Um, and I, I know for Milan that, um, and 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 their fans you know t- tend to say this, and I understand it. That the real goal for them, they will say, is top four. That they they kind of look at scudetto as more of a dream, and they're in first place. They've been in first place most of the season, but um, you know, for for them, obviously having not even qualified for Champions League for the last several years, they're all saying, hey, the really the goal is top four. The scudetto is kind of a bonus, uh, but the fact is, they are in first place, and you know, even though they come off a, a really tough loss uh, at the weekend, they've been in tremendous form all season long. Uh, and so I, I think they should prioritize uh, scu- possible Scudetto and Serie A competition as well. So I'm expecting both clubs to have rotation coming up on Wednesday. Inter and Milan for Coppa Italia. I'm expect I'm expecting and hoping that your Lazio rotates some players because for Lazio, e- even if Scudetto may not be a goal, um, you certainly want to get top four. That's certainly a goal. So. You know, I I don't think that Coppa Italia is like a worthless trophy. Like, I, I think teams want to win it. And, you know, like when Lazio won it two years ago, for example, I thought that was kind of a nice springboard for, you know, the little run that they made for Scudetto last season. I, I was kind of saying the same thing about Napoli winning Coppa Italia last year, but they haven't had much momentum lately. So I don't know how that's going to work out for them. So I think Coppa Italia is an important trophy, Jerry. But I also don't think that teams who are, in a scudetto race or in a race for top four in Champions League, should be risking tiring out or getting their players hurt for a Coppa Italia match, even if it's against a rival, when that could end up costing you in a scudetto chase. Because the other thing we have to remember here is, and you touched on it, Jerry, when you were talking about Lazio, this mm-hmm. is also not a normal serie I year because there are more midweek matches than you usually get, because it's a condensed schedule. So you're really running your squad thin if you're playing your best 11 in a Coppa Italia match even if you like to win that trophy you don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face and end up hurting your squad for the Serie A race
1: no absolutely and i and i agree with that you don't want to like hurt your players like immobile is not going to be playing wednesday and if he does he'll be coming off the bench i see the yeah. dotariky playing up front with uh, andres pereira um it's going to be interesting to see. I, I would see uh, maybe Parolo plays with Gonzalo Escalante. The only player I know for sure who's going to be playing on Wednesday and on Sunday will be Malinka Um He's probably the most dependent player right now for Lazio aside from Chido Immobile. And with Immobile with not 100% fit, Inzagi has shown to be more understanding the season where he needs to rotate his line now he still has fallen into that trap where he's over reluctant and not always rotating when he should mm-hmm. but with the copa italia i'm very happy to see what he's done i would see that a back three of wesley hoot a and stefan radu were probably be in place on wednesday and for sunday probably and then um in the midfield, we're probably going to have to... I would say Mohamed Fadis plays if he's healthy. I didn't see him play today, so I'm not sure... Because he was in the uh, medical room. I, I'm not sure if he broke his hand against Parma or what happened. Or we go with Senna Lulish, probably. But, and, I, and I know he's not 100% game-match fit yet. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Inzagi approaches, even with Inter. I think Inter's in a different situation. They don't have Champions League to worry about, so I don't see why Conte would not want to go all in against Milan on Tuesday. I know that I, I, I don't nice.
0: know. I, I don't know. Like I like I, I think that there are for me the Serie A is so important to them, and there there are players like uh, like Lukaku and like Barella and even Brozovic who get used so much. Like the, the, there are two things that I'd like to see rotation wise uh, from Inter against Milan midweek i would love to see Matteo darmion start at left wing back because ashley young at 35 years old should not be playing two games a week and, and if if conte has decided that ashley young is his first choice left wing back um i personally i kind of want to see more darmion because young is having a really tough year uh but conte still seems to prefer him in the big game so so if that's your starting left wing back um i want to see darmion starting at left wing back against milan and uh, and also, I would like to see the guy who should be the freshest man in the squad because uh, he hardly ever plays is Christian Eriksson, I think should get a shot uh, to play at Agista again against Milan because he he can give a breather to a guy like Marcelo Brozovic. So um, I I think those are a couple changes I'd like to see uh, as far as as far as the strikers. Uh, I I wouldn't mind uh, seeing Alexis Sanchez get a shot up front in place of Lukaku because I think Lukaku could use breather um, and kind of the unfortunate part about that is without Lukaku in a lineup uh, you know Inter's going to have some trouble scoring even though Lukaku's not been scoring as much lately he's still with his hold-up play he opens up things so much more for other goal scorers and uh, Lautaro Martinez has been ice cold lately and when Alexis Sanchez plays he's usually not so much of a goal scoring threat he's more of a, of a playmaker and a sister so you know theoretically you'd like alexis to be setting up lautaro but lautaro cannot hit any target whatsoever lately so um if it does end up lukaku getting a breather and alexis on i guess i'd kind of worry a little bit more about where the goals are, are going to be coming from but th- that's kind of what i'm looking for uh jerry and culpa so yeah even even though you're right i mean uh you know inter are you know one of the uh, the few teams near the top who don't have Any European matches coming up anytime soon? They still have kind of a a congested schedule and uh, it it just feels so important for them to make a push for the Scudetto. Uh, Jerry, since you mentioned uh, Chiro and the Capo stats earlier, let me bring up uh, the leaderboard just so people know where everyone's at. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo does currently have the lead uh, in goals. He's got 15 uh, on the season. Chiro is in second place with his 13 goals. He got to that number uh, on Sunday. Lukaku has 12. Zlatan has 12, which is pretty damn impressive considering how much time Zlatan has missed because he feels like he's been out of Milan's lineup uh, more than he's been in over the last couple months. So it's pretty impressive that he's on 12 goals. Uh, Then you've got uh, Muriel at 11. Uh, Joao Pedro at 10 and then you know I I won't bore everyone with all the single digits Uh, Jerry but before I want to take uh, an in-depth dive on a couple more of these games but what did you make of the quote that's been making the rounds this weekend you know Milan suffered a, a pretty tough defeat against Atalanta and of course Uh, Ibra still finds a way to get into the headlines because there was a little exchange he had with Duvon Zapata that got caught on microphone so you know Milan were appealing for a penalty and then Zapata uh, said something I'm paraphrasing here he said something to Zlatan about oh yeah you guys are trying to get your 13th PK and then Zlatan responds to Zapata uh, something along the lines of I've scored more goals than you've had games played in your career now This quote is getting put, it's a funny quote, and I love Zlatan's personality, I do, I'm, I'm not throwing shade, because I laughed, I laughed hysterically when I saw that. But it's also worth pointing out that Zlatan is like old enough to be his father. So I mean, yeah, you, you've got more goals than he's got games played. You've been playing since he was a child, essentially. But I, I thought that was funny, man. And uh, and Zlatan, Zlatan al- always finds a way to to keep himself uh, to keep himself in the news cycle when he's spitting out lines like that. No, for sure. That's
1: Zlatan being Zlatan. He's just <laughs> overconfident. Uh, he's just telling him, "Shut the hell up," because. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm the boss and that's it, but you know what? It, it was a letdown not a letdown game you, you know what's really frustrating and I, I'm not going to so. say people's names, is that the minute Atalanta wins a game like this, they jump on the bandwagon and it's like, oh, Atalanta's the best team ever, I've been telling you guys that Atalanta's the thing to watch for but, but watch for, sorry, and Basically, before, prior to this game, they were invisible versus Udinese. Udin- two
0: straight draws. Although U- Udinese takes everybody in a quicksand. We'll get to them, believe me. But yeah, well, but no, they they had two straight draws, and then all of a sudden they play champagne football again, and everyone's on the bandwagon.
1: I think the problem with Milan is they're not a type of team that's going to sit back, park the bus, and, and play that low block kind of game they are going to come at you as well and very attack-minded. And I felt that the problem was that the midfield, it was so spacious for Atalanta that it benefits to their game. And and if anytime you, you give this team any space to move the ball and attack, they'll exploit you and take advantage of you. And that's Mm -hmm. what I felt had happened in this game. Um, it was an impressive effort from Atalanta, who didn't show up for the first 10 minutes, but afterwards settled in and just really took control of the game. I I don't know where Milan went. I would have thought, watching this game, that Milan had played in the midweek Coppa Italia match and not Atalanta. Sorry. I would have thought that Atalanta didn't play on on Wednesday, and it was Milan who played Wednesday. City A match, my apologies. Now, that wasn't the case, and Gasparini had his men focus and re-energize. Now, you know what? Even though Milan did lose this game, for the most part, they were missing a lot of key players as well. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I'm looking at the lineup right now and I didn't like everything that started here. Like Mieti did not impress me in that midfield. I thought that he lost possession. He lost challenges. He didn't really do anything to encourage me. Tonali, you can see his uh, weaknesses, losing challenges. I think he was accountable for one of the goals that led to Atalanta scoring. Um, It's. Liao I don't like Liao up front just doesn't do it for me he doesn't pres- doesn't he shouldn't be playing in that number 9 role he he suits better as as a left winger that's mm-hmm. where that's where you'll get the best out of Liao number 9 he just looks like he can't control that he can't man that position like he should but um it, it wasn't all bad for for Milan I thought Kalulu was magnificent for Milan. Um,
0: well, he, he, he's the next Pogba, according to our buddy, uh, Martino Puccio. He's uh, the, the the greatest value signing since Pogba.
1: Yeah, I, I, I didn't <laughs> want to comment on that tweet because,
0: <laughs> because
1: it's just going to go back and forth. And I thought that was a stupid tweet, to be honest. I don't know how you can compare him to the next Pogba type elite player when he hasn't even reached to, to a quarter of his potential yet or shown the possibility, yes, he's been decent this year. He, he's been a, not decent, he's been very good. But you need to see this at least for two seasons to say, hey, you know what, this this was a really good signing. This is a bus type signing. Now, not to take anything away from him, I think that he's been impressive. I thought Calabria had kind of a, a letdown game. It he, he probably wasn't one of his best performances in recent time. I thought that he lost a lot of challenges. Um was caught out of position. Not one of his best games, personally, just in my opinion, but not to take anything away from him. He's been good this year. But overall, it's, it's just a game where they just, it, it, either they just went and fell asleep or whatever it may have been. It was just one of those games where Milan didn't show up. Now, the questions is right away is going to be, do you think that with a loss like this, is this team just not there to win a scudetto? Mm-hmm. Um, probably not. They're probably were never built to win a scudetto. I'm just curious to see now, okay? And I've seen Lazio two seasons ago in 2018-19. They, in the first half of the season, prior to the when the winter break was done, they were in fourth place and they were in a, in a comfortable position to finish in the top four. In the second half of the season, it kind of went downhill where they had Europa League. They had Coppa Italia and they had the league, all three fronts, and it really, really hurt their season. Now, mind you, Milan has better depth than Latua did at that time. But I'm just curious to see how this goes now because it's, I find that the second half of the season becomes more challenging than the first half. You you start Absolutely. to deal, you start to deal with injuries. Your form is not the same. You you've you've been playing more minutes now. Um, you're playing more. Like Milan's not going to be playing the, these these group stage games. They're going to be playing better competition in the Europa League. And if they're at to win on Tuesday, just say then they have two legs for the Copa Italia. And I, I'm just curious to see how this team continues. And they have a lot of young players and they've done well, but I just wonder how how long if they can continue to be playing like this. Um, Yes, you got Mario Mandzukic, but
0: he hasn't played much since last year. I, I still think it's a good signing. I, think oh, I, provide- I, I love the signing. In fact, I think there's a few other clubs that probably wish they, they were the ones who were in the position to make that signing. I think it's great, but since he hasn't played, uh, in a long time, and it, it's been a couple of years since he was in Syria. I, I think I'm just I'm just not sure how much he still has left in the tank. But it would not surprise me whatsoever if Mandzukic ends up scoring four or five really clutch goals. me with that guy, I've seen it way too many times.
1: But um, you know I, I, I That's a, the great point you just said. I, I'm curious to see if he stays fit and healthy like can he go a half a season with Milan and play at that high level because he hasn't been playing a lot. I don't think he's he played what five games last year yeah. uh, wherever he was and he really didn't play much last year and it's probably since two seasons ago he, where he was actually playing regularly. Now we'll see how he does with Milan but uh regardless of how it turns out he provides leadership experience even just as a bench player it's still a, a proper signing so we'll see how that works out but for Milan I think the goal is still top four spot I don't see why they can't finish in the top four I didn't have them finish in top four at
0: this point I'd be shocked if they don't I mean they're they're uh I mean how many let me look at uh, I mean obviously they're they, they'd be screwed at the winners if the season ended today but so they are what uh eleven points in front of the fifth or no, sorry, uh seven points in front of the fifth place team. So they, it, it's a nice question. I, I I think they're they're feeling pretty good about top four.
1: No, I absolutely you're right. But um I'm just curious not if they were to win lose their next game, okay on Tuesday to Inter, and then they lose their City A match, I wonder if that starts to trickle in the back of their head because their next game is against who are they playing next? Uh oh, they play Cortone. Forget it. Uh. So that that's a <laughs> that's a guarantee win. Forget it. They'll they'll bounce back. So actually, no, I'm wrong. Sorry, my apologies. That's the week after they play Bologna. So you know what? Bologna had a decent game today against Juventus. So you never know. Anything's possible. But the last time these two teams met, freaking Milan destroyed them. So.
0: Well, let me move on to uh, so so M- Milan got a little bit of help, right? So despite despite the three nil loss to Atalanta, they you know they they keep the top spot. They get the winter scudetto. Uh, Inter had the opportunity to tie them in points, and they they would have technically Inter been ahead uh, by goal differential. So so they Inter could have been winter scudetto winners had they just gotten. Uh, something better than a draw out of uh, this Udinese match but it it turned out to be a nil-nil draw Uh, I'm making no excuses for Inter I'll I'll get into their performance in a second but it it is worth noting that uh, Udinese have done a really good job this season frustrating some of the better clubs I mean just uh, a week prior they had a 1-1 draw with Atalanta you know they Napoli did end up getting three points against Udinese, but it was it was very very difficult for Napoli. Udinese pushed them to the limits. Uh, they took all three points against Lazio earlier this season. Uh, so Udinese have given a, a tough time to a lot of clubs in this league. And you know Jerry, it, it's it's very typical Inter coming off of a week ago their most complete performance of the season, right? I mean w- when we did our Juventus Inter breakdown. Uh, I said it, that for the first time all year in that Juventus game, you finally got 90 exquisite minutes from Inter. A couple of missed scoring chances aside... Uh, Because the intensity, there was no let-up, no mental mistakes for 90 minutes against Juventus. So very typical Pazza Inter to follow that up with a game against the other lesser Bianconeri. And, and, you know, uh, actually, crazy enough, Udinese is now the first team in Serie A to keep a clean sheet against Inter. I mean, Inter had a couple of scoreless draws in Champions League but no one had kept a clean sheet against Inter and Serie A up until Juan Musso and Udinese. And this was a game where, you know, um, Inter just lacked the energy and the spark. I didn't see a lot of runs getting made in the final third. I didn't see a whole lot of intensity. might have been kind of an emotional hangover from the Juventus win, which, again, if you want to win a Scudetto, you can't be having emotional hangovers. You have to give the same intensity game in and game out. Uh, lacked ideas in the final third. Uh, a big issue for Inter, I don't want to call out too many individual performances, but I think a guy who deserved a call out was Ashraf Hakimi. Shockingly poor in this game. There were numerous occasions. One, where he was given a pass a in the ball. One time volley shot that would have, you know, unless he completely mistruck it, would have almost assuredly been a goal. He decided to stop it with his left foot, take an extra touch, and then ended up completely botching it. Uh, He misplaced a ton of balls in that game. So uh, Hakimi had. You know, and he had a, a couple of, I guess, questionable p- performances very early on in the year. He had been in torrid form for the last couple of months, so this was his poorest game in a really, 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 really long time. Uh, you know, we we continue to see Lautaro Martinez struggle. He's got to break out of a bit of a slump. Um, And, and something from this match, Jerry, that I thought, I, I think that it can get a little bit lazy the way that people just go right after criticizing and blaming Antonio Conte for everything. There is one thing in this match I thought Conte could have done, and that was at some point in the second half, he could have brought on Christian Eriksen because this was the sort of performance, and we know what kind of a team Udinese is. Um, They're going to put everybody behind the ball. They're going to try and protect the nil-nil draw. They're going to make it like you're stuck in quicksand when you're in the final third, trying to get the breakthrough and score a goal. Inter completely lacked the creativity in this game necessary to find the breakthrough. And so bringing on a guy like Christian Eriksen, I thought, because, you know, you, at this point, it doesn't look like you're selling him or loaning him out anytime soon. So he's going to be at Conte's disposal. I would expect, you know, until the end of the season in May or June or whenever the hell that is this year, he's going to be at Conte's disposal. I, I thought that this type of a match could have called for Eriksen. That's one thing that I'm going to blame Conte for, you know, someone Conte did bring on in the second half who just uh, w- was poor, uh, with Stefano Sensi, he, he really, really struggled. He misplayed some balls and, uh, and just didn't add the sort of spark you would have thought. It's unfortunate with Sensi because you go back to the first month and a half of the 2019-2020 campaign. And he was one of the best players in Serie A for the first six or seven weeks of that year. And now it's just been the injuries, the knocks, the lack of consistency. This guy has never had enough time to play for, you know, a few consecutive weeks and regain his form. I thought Sensi was really poor in this game. But what I'm saying, Jerry, about people like blindly criticizing Conte, and I'm not a huge Conte fan. You're probably a bigger Conte fan than I am, to be honest. But I do think the criticism gets a little bit lazy when I see everyone, that nil-nil draw, the disappointment that was against Udinese, I see so many Interisti just motherfucking Conte left and right. What are you doing? What's this mentality? Why don't you have a plan B? One of the issues for me is, um, yeah, it, it was a poor showing by Inter. Conte probably could have done better. But when you have people like Hakimi and Lautaro and Lukaku missing scoring chances that there was a point in the second half where you know Hakimi had Lukaku wide open for a cross would have been just a, a, a gimme bunny of a goal and Hakimi put the pass 3 feet behind Lukaku so this to me there was there were plenty of execution issues okay if Inter had a couple of, uh, and and listen, there was not an abundance of scoring chances in this game. There was a lack of creativity, but there were a couple of scoring chances that should have been finished by Inter, and if one of those chances gets finished and Inter come away with a 1-0 lead, no one's shitting on Conte for that. So because of the nil-nil draw, everyone, oh, he doesn't have a plan B. What is Conte doing? Um, Yeah, there probably were things he could have done better in that match, but hindsight is always 20-20. To me, I think you can put that as much on the players as you can on the manager. Because I need to see more energy. I need to see more runs being made. I need to see more creativity. I can blame the manager on some of that. I can't blame the manager on all of that. There there needs to be more effort and uh, and better finishing from the players as well. I can't blame that all on Conte.
1: No, you can't. And I have one question here. I'm looking at the, at the whole like lineups and everything. I'm curious. And Conte has done this quite often this season is that he hasn't used all of his five substitutions. So what puzzles me is and I don't know I don't know if anybody's has called this out on Twitter. I'm pretty sure he only made three of his five substitutions yesterday. He could have brought on Darmian. Yeah. He could have brought on Ericsson. He could he, shit you couldn't even brought Kulurov against this team. Please no.
0: <laughs> never. I, never I know you don't
1: like him, but this is where this is probably a, an opportunity where you do bring him in against the side like U- Ines, where you, you can take advantage, right, of, of a player like that. So I, I don't know. Like, the problem with Sensi is that as as much as you guys think that he's been playing well, he hasn't played since January 3rd. And then prior to that, he played yeah. December 20th. So the layoff is like you're going three weeks without playing. You're playing one game. You got hurt. And you come back three weeks later, you play for 20 minutes and you're not, you're not getting that consistent rhythm from, from, uh, Stefano Sensi. So I, I wouldn't put too much into like how his performance was, against guess, Inez, but you have to, you have to look at basically, you basically have to, uh, look at how, how it's progressing for him and, and in, it's encouraging to see that he was able to 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 stay in the game for twenty minutes and basically not not just um, get hurt. I'll, I'll say he didn't get hurt, so that's the most encouraging thing. Now, I didn't watch this game, but based on what you're saying, there was no creativity, there was no hustle, there was nothing that really inspired you in this game. It seems as if that's. Yeah. That's the keys here now. And and, and
0: another reason, Jerry, why that's frustrating was there was um, there was no squad rotation whatsoever here. So this was the same exact starting eleven that dominated Juventus six days prior. Uh, you know Conte went with what he considers to be his strongest starting 11 the same 11 that took down Juventus we're going to you know we're we're going to to keep the pressure on in the city are going to try to take top of the table you know we're going to run it back from the Juve game and yet somehow the same starting 11 that had all that intensity against Juve had none of that intensity against Udinese
1: No absolutely and if you're going to keep Erickson it seems as if he's not going to be going anywhere cuz his wages no one can afford his wages. Yeah. You you have to figure a way to get this guy in the lineup. It's simple as that. That's that is the priority that will always have to be the priority because if you got a guy like this who I thought played really well against Fiorentina, you need to in a game like yesterday it would have been perfect to have him in into the uh into the lineup, even off the bench. So he could have provided some creativity in the midfield, that, that attack-minded option. Now, again, it's this is a, I would say, that it, it's, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating to not see Ericsson in the lineup. You, you got a player who arrived to Inter for a reason. Because he can give you another option into that midfield. He can replace a guy like I would say what? Barella. Mm-hmm. He can replace him because they're kind of similar type players. Um he can even play as a Brozovic and play more deeper if he has to. Um yeah. I don't I don't know why Eriksen's not being used, but and another player who could have played yesterday, and I think you mentioned this already, is Darmion. I don't know why Darmion's on the bench when he could have came in. You you can put him on the wing and replaces Ashley Young, where I bet you, not watching this game yesterday, because I haven't watched the replay yet, Ashley Young probably offered very little on that left side. But yeah. Polly stagnated. I can just picture right now. He does the same stupid thing where he runs down the wing, crosses <laughs> the ball into the into the box to absolutely nobody, or just forces it into nothing. And a guy like Darmion can provide something different off the bench, where again he sat on the bench and didn't come on. So you you have depth, you got to use it. You know what I mean? Like that. It's simple as that. I, again, I I didn't watch the full. And the the last part is he made all three substitutions, and I think he's done this before. He made all three substitutions at the 70th minute. One shot, all at the 70th minute, and that's it. Like. Why not spread it out? I don't get it, man. <laughs> I love Conte to death, but then when he does things like this, it's just like, just so frustrating. Honest to God. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna go off topic here. We're watching this KC game versus the Bills. Yeah, I, I, I was
0: gonna say. I, I don't. I don't know if people can tell that we're uh, we're a little bit distracted. We're, we're taping this yes. on Sunday evening. And uh, we're, you know, we're both in North America. I'm in the States. Jerry's in Canada. Uh, we're, we're watching. Uh, well, is, there, is there like a melee? And, and Jerry's feed is like. 15 <laughs> yes. Last few minutes of, uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills. Casey's up 17 points. I mean, Buffalo's still trying to give them hell. Like they're, even though it's like mathematically impossible. They come back in this game. They converted an onside kick. They're going all out. They had a J- Josh Allen just got knocked on his ass. But uh, yeah, man. Listen, Jerry, I've got uh, I've got over fifty four. They're already over that. I've got Kansas City minus three and a half. So I'm having a good night here.
1: Do you see
0: Josh Allen throw the football at, at the, Four, Yeah. Head. Wow. <laughs> wow. I just saw that now on the replay. He just tossed <laughs> the football in his face.
1: <laughs> and then he runs in and was it Allen who got tackled out of nowhere? Like just got tossed a. A nice beating. My, today, I know this is, a, this is a football, a European football podcast, soccer, but it has been some crazy stuff in the NFL today, man. Like from Aaron Rodgers pissing it, to Green Bay not going on fourth <laughs> down, and, and deciding to go on the field goal to kick it and then let their defense piss it to this. Bill's atrocity where they're just getting beat down. This is unbelievable. This is like Juventus on a bad Sunday. This is
0: what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well well, let me uh since we're a little off topic, let me let me bring it kind of back to Calcio. This is not on the field thing, but um ha- have you seen Jerry? Um and, and there have been some fake ones going around, but I think we've seen the real leaked Inter Milano logo, uh the new logo that's gonna replace their current crest. Um, it's like for th- this has been rumored that they're changing their their logo their shield it's been rumored for a couple of weeks now there have been a lot of graphic designers who have put out fugazi ones fake ones but like you know mm-hmm. nike and the way i understand it was like they they claimed that it was accidentally leaked and then they deleted it folks companies like nike don't leak things by accident. They wanted it to happen like that. They wanted to put it out there, pretend to delete it like, oh, we shouldn't have done that because they want to get people talking so that the companies that big don't make stupid mistakes like that. They, they don't accidentally schedule a tweet to go out. Uh, they, everything like that happens on purpose. So they wanted people to see this. Um, and of course, anytime. time. And, and one thing that's kind of funny, like people talk about Inter's logo as if it hasn't changed since 1908. In my lifetime alone, they have tweaked or changed the crest multiple times. Like when I was a really little kid, it used to be that old school shield with the snake in it, and then like over the last 20 years they've kind of tweaked uh you know the FCIM logo that they've used for for you know for since the 90s, but it, it's been adjusted and tweaked a couple of times. So this new one is that um they're the club is not changing names it's still going to be uh, FC Internazionale Milano but they're they're taking the FC out of the crest and just for marketing they're going to call it Inter Milano so the new logo and i i know that uh, people listening can't see this but you know it's it's kind of a similar pattern to what they have now cuz it's a circle with a star on top of it they've simpled the color scheme a little bit it's just going to be a gold on black and uh instead of fcim like the new pattern it's an i and an m together with a star on top um i actually think it looks fine i think it's the sort of thing that even if people kind of freak out because oh my god i can't believe they're changing the crest once this thing's around for a couple of years i think people will get used to it it's it's not ugly it's not an eyesore Um, You know, if you fell in love with the crest that they've used in recent years, you know, keep your gear, get it tattooed on yourself, something. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of clubs changed their logos. Juventus did it a few years back and people, I think, have gotten used to that one. And to be honest, I, I don't think that this Inter one is nearly as drastic of a change as what Juventus did going from the shield that they had to that sort of futuristic looking J that they use now. So what do you think about this one, Jerry? Because when I heard that inter was going to change the logo, and obviously I'm the hardcore interista on this panel, I I was kind of worried, like how ugly are they going to make this? Why are they changing the crest that they've had for a while? I don't think this looks bad at all, and it's not going to take me long to get used to this one. I think it looks fine, and, and God bless them. If if Sooning needs the money, and they need to change the logo to sell new gear and get some fresh revenue in, do what you got to do, boys. I think you could have done a lot worse than this one. Well, with the Juventus one, it's ugly, okay?
1: It's ugly like their team. That's what it Whoa. is. Okay? That, yeah, I wanted a cheap shot tonight. I got one, finally. I think that compared to Inter, at least they didn't destroy the logo. They, they, they still yeah, they, they worked around it. it. Oh. All they did was like got a ferrari and upgraded that's what they did and they and they're just upgrading the the, the symbol t- to another level that's that's all it is i don't see anything wrong with it it's golden black the name is different that's pretty much what it is it, it kind of looks similar to what it was before whereas it, it looks
0: ed- a lot similar like like jerry I'm i'm looking i've got like on my computer i've got them side by side the the new one and the current one and for the most part, like what they have did is instead of having like the gold, the white and the black and the blue on the same logo, they just simplified it. So it's gold on black and mm-hmm. they basically just took the F and the C away and it's IM. like it's it's very similar to what it was. It, it's kind of they just reduced it like it's it's very similar to what it's been. They just minimized it. They simplified it.
1: I just think, like, even with Lazio, I would never want them to change the logo because of the history and what, what the crest really means to the team. Now, I don't think Inter's really changing any history here. It's more of just revamping it and giving it a little extra color to it, like a background, say. Whereas when I look at the Juventus logo, the J is ugly, I'm sorry. I think the <laughs> J is fucking brutal.
0: It doesn't do it
1: for me, Um it, it looks so plain and not. It's not Juventus, in my opinion. When you look at the previous logo, the circle and the, the Juventus it says in the middle, like what that was what Juventus really meant and what it what, what the team was. That's just my opinion on how I see this logo. Um, I always wonder why they they went three like just completely, utterly just changed the whole logo up. To me, just looking at it right now, it just doesn't do it for me, but um, I don't see any issues with the Inter uh, logo personally, and like I said, even with Lazio's logo, I would prefer them not to really touch it, or even change it, like completely revamp it, where if you change colors and stuff, that's fine, but like I said, it has... It's history. It's tradition. So you don't change what has been your team for so long. That's just the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, well said. Um, A a couple of uh, parting shots uh, I want to get in before we wrap it up here on this episode. Um, Wow, really, really rough one on Sunday uh, for Napoli. You know, they eight seconds into the match, Chucky Lozano scores the opening goal. DiMarco uh, from Verona made just a, a poor defensive mistake. So it it, it it must have been a frustrating one for Napoli because you kind of feel like you score a goal eight seconds into the match. Oh, this is setting an amazing tone. And, you know, the week prior, they had that 6-0 win against Fiorentina. So you're thinking, oh, here it is. Deja vu all over again. It's going to be another one of those types of matches. And then uh, Verona ends up scoring the next three Uh, Mattia Zakani was awesome. Um, You know, I mentioned DiMarco, who had a defensive error. He made up for it, scoring a goal, the game-tying goal. So he had a nice little redemption. And Ivan Juric, the manager of Verona, I give that man so much credit. Flying under the radar, you know, I'm sure he's going to end up a name for... You know, bigger gigs in the future because he's doing a fantastic job there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a really tough one for Napoli, and and I also I'll get your thoughts on both of these matches, Jerry. Uh, you know, we also had uh, Juventus getting kind of a, a workmanlike routine. Uh, Juve style take care of business two two nil win against Verona. American soccer Twitter went crazy when Weston McKinney scored on a header. You know, Artur finally scored for Juve, although he had a very fortunate deflection that aided in that goal. And um, and and you know, I, I want to get your take on this as well. I'm throwing a lot at you, Jerry, here before we wrap it up. But I thought it was kind of ridiculous when Juventus lost two nil to Inter. You know, uh, a week ago people are proclaiming, oh, this is over, Scudetto is done, they're out of the race, they're dead and buried. Knee jerk, okay? Um, for for as bleak as it may have looked at that point, I don't think you can bury a team when they're not even close to being mathematically out of it. At that point, less than halfway through the season, for a team that's won nine straight Scudetti and ha- had have proven, and, and obviously, you know, you can criticize Pirlo all you want to. You can call Juventus maybe overly Ronaldo dependent, uh, but for people to try and completely bury that club 18 match days in, uh, back with a nice victory over Bologna, and now, Jerry, I, I look at the table, and it's like, how were people officially calling them out of it a week ago when they've got a game in hand? And they're only seven points behind the league leaders. So if they would hypothetically win the game in hand, they're they're only four points behind Milan. Uh, it, it's far from over. They they've got 19 match days to make this up. I'm not I'm not gonna bury Juventus halfway through the season. And I think they reminded a lot of people in that Bologna match that you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to really keep burying these guys uh, before they keep coming back. Because they're gonna stay in this race?
1: No, you're right, and I think the biggest question mark with Juventus is is not they're buried or alt or whatever. It's can they follow up with a second consecutive victory with a good performance? That's the problem with Juventus this season is that they've lacked consistency, and they look good today, but I thought they were pretty fortunate as well. When they were up to nothing, um, Artur should have had a second yellow And he didn't get it. And right away, Pirlo did the right decision, took him off. I believe it was like 15 minutes left in the game. Now, I know with 15 minutes, they probably don't come back. Who knows? But I think just the decision of not making it is kind of harsh. But regardless, Juventus overall played well today. Um, Bologna had a, a poor first half, but really turned it around in the second half Again, back to Juventus conceding so many chances and luckily for their sake, Bologna lacks quality in the final third, like they showed today. Now, if it was Inter say who had those chances, Anopoli, even Lazio say, they're not as fortunate. They don't they don't leave the game with a two-nothing win. True. So it's not the same back line where Juventus used to limit your your chances and when they have a one nothing lead they really look comfortable in defending that one nothing lead. So going forward I'm just curious to see if Juventus can start stringing more than one good performance in a row and I haven't seen that from them yet. And if we start seeing Juventus turn turn around and say hey there's three good performances in a row then this is a team that you should really be worried about. Now they shouldn't be counted out. I absolutely agree. The season still has another what, 19 more games to go. So yep. things can change mathematically very quick. For all we know, Milan can drop off, and it so quick that you don't you don't know what can happen. Right? They've been so good in the first half. Maybe their scoring stops. Maybe their luck stops. Maybe they don't no, no longer can win those those games against the lower tier teams where they were fortunate in the first half. Th- these are all hypothetical questions, but anything's possible. So for me, who knows about Juventus? And, and to just touch upon Napoli, I think the biggest mistake was with Gattuso overplaying certain players. And shout out to Joe from Forza Napoli podcast, where he set a good point where a guy like D- Deme, Diego Deme, has played, what, I think, four or five straight games he's mentioned Wow. And the way the way he plays is he plays it very hard. Um, he overexerts his body the way he plays. Um, Insigne, I believe, has played the last three games in a row. And you got Chucky Lozano, who knows, the last time that guy had a break. Freaking mm-hmm. Di Lorenzo playing every game. And they're quick to call out players, and Napoli wasn't good today, and it's Gattuso's fault. The only thing on Gattuso's fault, fault that is that he didn't do squad rotation absolutely that's the biggest yeah. mistake he he's done but that he's not the only manager in city A uh, who's going through this issue Nzagi's done it conte's done it um you name it, the top seven teams normally do it. I'm surprised that Milan's the only team that really actually does rotate their squad. Maybe well, the thing
0: they- is, like, are, are they are they really rotating their squad or just have they had to use everybody because they've had so many injuries in COVID? Like, I, I don't even think Pioli's rotating on purpose. I think he's had to rotate.
1: No, you're right. That's a good point. I was going to say that, too. It's, it's probably possibly the fact that he probably wouldn't be rotating Pioli if he had his players all available But going back to Milan, I I never had them in the top four. But Actually, maybe I did. I I don't remember. But regardless, this is a team that is going to be streaky up and down and is really going to have a hard time battling for that that top four position. So the fourth spot is so wide open between Napoli, Lazio, Atalanta, Roma. It's a coin toss. Who knows? But with Napoli, they need to start rotating their squad. We saw Victor Ossiman come back today, which is a big major boost for this team because they've been lacking scoring without him. Um, Dries Mertens looks like he's not fully fit, in my opinion, and they're probably being very precautious with him. Um mm-hmm. I think Batani takes too much flack. That's the last thing I'll touch upon is that this guy just arrived this season. And he's a similar player like Vidat Mariki where people overreact. He, this is the thing I see with Napoli fans. And this is no cheap shot. And it's just specific with, with Napoli. And it, don't, don't get mad at me, but they have a good game. And it's like Gattuso in. He's amazing. Um. Patania scores a goal. Yeah, it's like, Patania scores a goal. They're amazing. And then today, it's like, Gattuso out. Take Gattuso out. He's shit. We shouldn't have lost today. But, like, you know what you're getting with Gattuso. This is a guy that still needs to, like, develop his managerial skills. But he's taken the team to another level. He inherited this team when they were in the gutter. And... He hasn't even been a full season where he's been able to manage his side, so it's not fair to just say he got too So he comes out. Who comes in? Another schmuck that's going to be in the same elite level like him. No, no Allegri coming to, to Napoli
0: in January. got to get not... my guy Spalletti. That's the guy they got to get. That they... guy would stabilize it.
1: Yeah, they're not. They're going to get a rental coach for six months. Provide the same shit that Gattuso is probably going to offer for six more months. Let him learn. Let him understand. Let him understand the difficulties. Overcome the hurdles. He he, proven last season when they were really in a hole with um, Ancelotti, he turned it around. I don't see why he can't turn it around right now. I think the, the only issue with Gattuso, he needs to be more tactically smarter. He can't keep on relying on the same players. Maybe Politano should have started on the right today, of so Lozano. I know he opened up the score, but a guy like Politano maybe would have been smarter, give Lozano a rest, um, just certain things like that. But other than that, if they can figure out the squad rotation, and, and this is a team that was one of the most active teams last year who bought a lot of players,
0: mm-hmm.
1: supposedly is supposed to have a lot of depth that they're able to call players off the bench, come in, and step up. We haven't seen that as much as we thought we would. And I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest concern is once Gattuso starts feeling more comfortable and starts rotating his squad, this is the team that can really do a lot of damage. So I wouldn't say Gattuso out. Don't be reactionary just because of one bad result. I, and the last thing is that you lost to a good team. They've beaten... I tweeted out today. They beat in Atalanta. They beat mm-hmm. in Lazio. They beat in Napoli now. They tied Juventus and they tied Milan. And the mm-hmm. only top team that they beat, and I think they beat Roma as well, or they tied them. But the only team that they beat in the top seven was uh, Inter.
0: But yep. they lost two. Sorry. Yeah, they lost two. Yeah, I know what you meant. And they yeah. were
1: fortunate to lose that game because
0: they hit the post too. Yeah, If I recall. So I, I was very, I felt very fortunate not to lose that game.
1: So that's how I'll end up. Just don't, don't be reactionary on Napoli. It's and and the last thing is it's not a normal schedule either. <laughs> Everyone's in the same boat. You also have to remember that these teams are dealing with a very condensed schedule, so they're not managing a season like other seasons. It's a very unpredictable season
0: where a lot of challenges for each manager well let me close it out on that note and i do want to make an announcement that from our next episode on we're going to have a new sponsor coming aboard here to the cultural connection in fact i am as soon as this episode wraps up i am going to go trim my balls because we are now welcoming in the great (laughs) folks of Manscaped, Manscaped are now sponsoring our pod with the Lawnmower 3.0. These guys have the ultimate space age male grooming technology. Uh, they have sent uh, Jerry received his care package in the mail. I received mail. Uh, I've uh, previously I've endorsed Manscaped before for another podcast that I do. Um, the the quality of their equipment is second to none. And so keep listening to every episode of the Cultural Connection pod, because from our next episode onwards, you guys will have the opportunity to get in on some of this action because we're going to have promo codes, discount codes. You can buy the amazing Lawnmower 3.0, the great packages that Manscaped offered where you can get cologne. You can get cologne for your nuts. You can get cologne for the rest of your body. Uh, you can get uh, they, they even sell clothes. They sell these boxer briefs. And your girls are all going to go crazy over this stuff, believe me. You can look good, feel good, smell good, trim all that unnecessary hair. So we are going to bring, uh, be bringing Manscaped into the fold from our next episode on here on the Calcio Connection. In the meantime, if you want to follow us, Jerry is at jmancini8 on Twitter. I am at Alex Dono. Our show is at Pod on Twitter, at CalcioConPod. We follow back everyone from that account. You want to make sure you uh, you find us on Apple Pod, Spot, uh, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five star rating; it goes a long way. We also post these episodes on YouTube, so watch them on YouTube. And we're going to talk to you guys again next time. Right, Jerry, are you going to be uh, trimming up your package today? Do you have the manscape going?
1: I'm going to use it for my ass crack. It works <laughs> 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 for I, that as well. I, <laughs> <laughs> I realize for how small it is, it can fit up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> you can now get those hairs that stuck up your ass. No, no longer do you have to use those trimmers that you use for your face, where they're so big. This thing is small and it fits the palm of your hand. <laughs> I was laughing when I got the package. package. My wife, my wife's like, "You're not using those
0: creams, right?" I'm like, "I'm, I'm using all new. of them, bro." T- t- tell Are your your really- wife, you want me to smell good or not? <laughs> <laughs> The shavers are going to wrap it up on that note. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcho Connection Podcast. Ciao.